0: Tired. So tired.
1: Overtired. Hi, you're listening to Overtired on ESN. I'm Brett Terpstra here, as always, with Christina Warren. How's it going, Christina?
0: It's going pretty good. How are you, Brett?
1: I am. I've been super productive this week.
0: That's awesome.
1: I, That's awesome. My office, like, my office is so clean that I can run my iRobot. Or my neat robotics vacuum cleaner and just let him, like, cruise around.
0: That's awesome. I I can't do that in my house at all.
1: Yeah, well, he doesn't do well upstairs, mostly because he gets, like, their dog toys and cat toys even worse, because those are, like, easy to get stuck on. And then little things that he'll really try to get under, like, a chair, but there's some, like cheap like ikea and target chairs that have angled legs that he'll just run himself up on i don't know why i assigned a male gender to him like it wasn't a conscious thought process
0: well maybe it just has some colleagues that tend to be more stereotypically male yeah okay uh you know because <laughs> like i because like i for whatever reason like i always think of like my alexa as as a woman like my echo you know uh, but yet the Google home feels more masked I don't know. I know that they have female voices, so that makes it part of the reason. But I mean, you know, you can make Siri have a male voice.
1: I tried so that she- this week, actually. I think this whole like robotic gender assignment thing made me start thinking, what if I flip genders and I ended up making Siri into an Australian male? And it, it feels it like you have a Butler. It wasn't the same. No, if it were an English male, maybe. But an yeah. Australian male, you feel like you have a drunk friend,
0: <laughs> like a
1: drinking buddy.
0: Gotcha. So and, and,
1: she's now an Australian female because I did like the accent, but
0: yeah, for me, I just Siri, just the name, and it's weird because Apple's the one who gave it the voice. It was, uh, but but the name was always Siri when they bought Siri from Siri. It was called Siri, <laughs> and uh, you know Apple gave it the voice, but yet. The, the the it just seems co- so quintessentially female, like even the name. Oh, so sort does of
1: Alexa, you know?
0: Oh well, Alexa, yes. I mean, yes.
1: Can um, you change the voice on Alexa? No. No. Did you see the? uh n- You know those fish that sing? The wall mounted, and they do like yeah, the, uh, the bass. Yes, I saw frog, that. Back. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that was amazing. We yeah, should... I saw
0: that this morning. We should link to that. Yeah, in our um, show notes.
1: I will add a note to track that video down.
0: Yeah, basically somebody was able to take his singing bass and hook it up to um, his uh, his Alexa and or his Amazon Echo, I suppose, and uh, it's pretty great.
1: Yeah. Um, but anyway, like my productivity, so you, you recall recently I had like a whole year of not getting shit done.
0: Yeah. And that was kind of related to, I guess now we've moved into Brett's mental health corner um, for the episode. I feel like um, that's where
1: we started, really. It,
0: yeah. That, that is it's true. Is where we started. Um, yeah. So you're having some productivity issues. And a lot of that was, was associated with the fact that you couldn't get the right meds that you needed, right? Totally. Totally.
1: And there, there have been some silver linings, some uh, personal growth involved in having way too much time to think. But now that I'm back on it's a, a tiny it's a very small quantity of what I was on before like before I, I they had prescribed me like a mix of amphetamines that was like very good for getting stuff done but kind of was I realize now like ruining my personality okay or or I will say like my personal growth my emotional state so now I'm like only on Vivance, which is really a pretty low lying stimulant and I'm on half the dose I was on before. That's good. But combined with all the stuff that I learned to do over that year, meditating, yoga, exercise, (laughs) heavy exercise, uh, all those things like combined now, I feel like I'm more productive than ever. However, I have run into the issue that because I feel like I can get things done, I say yes to way too many projects and disappoint way too many people still.
0: Yeah. And because that's always kind of the, the, the struggle, right. Um, when you're, when you do kind of what you do, which is, you know, take projects, take things project by project. And I, I even go through this with my day job sometimes where you get so excited about things you want to commit to doing everything. And then it's like, you don't actually have enough time in the day to get it all done.
1: Here comes a great segue. So, speaking of your day job, yes, have you had any fun uh, product reviews lately?
0: <laughs> have I ever? <laughs> I, I, uh, so I did a couple of uh, reviews this week as we record this, so this will probably be the the week previous. Um, I got to review the new MacBook Pro, the one without the the Touch Bar. Although I do have some thoughts on the Touch Bar MacBook Pro because I've spent some time with that one too, and I got to review the new Mini NES.
1: Okay, let's start with the MacBook. MacBook okay. Pro.
0: Yes. So the MacBook Pro, this one the the one without the touch bar is actually I mean it's it's a MacBook Air. Let's for all instance services. Um and it's, you know, it start it's it's a MacBook Air, except it's very expensive. Uh it starts at fifteen hundred dollars. It has a retina display, it has, you know, a core i5 processor, eight gigs of RAM, two USB C ports, one Thunderbolt three port. Um well the 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 two USB C ports are backed by single Thunderbolt three, um, port. So you can plug in one, four or five K monitor into it and, and, and do pretty well. Um, and, um, you know, it's, um, very, very light, very slim. It weighs about the same as a MacBook air, but it's actually, because it has a a better, um, smaller bezel, um, even though it has the same screen size, it takes up a lot less physical space. It has a, a new keyboard, which is very similar. To the keyboard on the MacBook, which some people won't love, but they've updated the way that the the um, butterfly uh, mechanism works on the keycaps. So even though it has the same amount of travel, it feels better. It's a complete optical illusion, but it feels better. So okay, and,
1: w- let me ask. I have yes. I have the first release of the latest Magic Keyboard. Yes, and I hate typing on it. Okay, is this better than that? No. Screw it. It's
0: worse. It's worse, um, because <laughs> I have external keyboards. I'll be okay. Right. Yeah, so it's worse. Um, I got used to it just fine, and in fact, I wrote like my whole you know review on it, the whole shebang. But I, uh, you know, um, I like this machine. I have a couple of issues with it, uh, but most of them are are based around price. So you know, we waited a really long time. We've talked about this before. We we've, we've been waiting for new MacBooks and. A, a kind of the joke that I kept kind of putting on on Gizmodo was it's been like 27 years since we had a new MacBook Pro, and you know the MacBook Air. I wrote something when I was at Mashable that a lot of people kind of yelled at me for. I was like, the MacBook Air is never getting another update. And I didn't. Th- I wrote that in July, and I didn't think that was that controversial to say. I just kind of looked at the way things were going. I was like, they will never update the MacBook Air ever again.
1: Why would they? The, right. The last MacBook release. Like, the previous MacBook release was, like you said, it was a MacBook Air. Yeah. Way better.
0: Well, way better in some ways. Way better if you look at what the MacBook Air originally was. Like, the MacBook Air was originally, like, the super thin computer for executives, you know, and rich people, and kind of your great secondary computer. But what the MacBook Air became was this $1,000, starting price $1,000 computer that you issue to businesses and that students buy. And that, you know, um, it's kind of the everyman Mac. You know, like everybody has a MacBook Air because it had a real processor. The screen, granted, wasn't Retina, but, you know, you could get a lot of work done on it. I mean, I've I've done a lot of real work. In fact, most of my real work I've done on the MacBook Air.
1: I had a 2012 MacBook Air that I eventually replaced with a retina macbook pro right and i miss that air almost every day i love that machine
0: it's a good machine and and i think that what they've kind of done with the new macbook pro the one without the touch bar is they've kind of reinvented what the macbook air became so like i said it is about the same weight it actually is a smaller form factor it has a retina screen it has a modern processor that all
1: sounds better to me
0: Yes, that is better. Uh and it has, you know, the, the extensibility a lot of people are gonna complain, and a lot of people have complained about the fact that, you know, it's simply USB C slash Thunderbolt three. You know, you have two ports and a and a headphone jack, you're gonna be in dongle hell. You will. Um the I would not be able to record our podcast on my review unit without some sort of um USB A to USB C adapter. And People are going to need docks and people are going to need dongles and it doesn't have a, a SD card slot. And those are all very real concerns. I do think that the future for connectivity and for IO is USB C slash Thunderbolt three. And I think that moving as even though it's a painful transition, moving to those new port types, just, you know, rip off the band-aid, eventually your, your gear will work. But in the short term, you're going to have to buy dongles and adapters and that sucks. My only, so. I mean, I think it does if you have a lot of stuff
1: uh, You buy one hub.
0: I mean, I, you're not wrong. And, and I think that for a lot of people, that's the solution. I think the what makes it harder and I guess I understand some of the rage, some of the rage, not all the rage. I think a lot of the rage is just people being mad. <laughs> the that same
1: rage there always is.
0: Of course, well, because I think somebody pointed it out really well. I think it was a Chuck uh, uh, Vaughn. Uh, I can't think of his last name, uh, but you know who I'm talking about uh uh C H U Q on, on Twitter, uh Chuck. Um he said that, you know, people are mad that they wanted a new MacBook. Chuck von Rossbach uh, he said they uh you know wanted a new MacBook Pro. They wanted all this new stuff, but they wanted it in their own image. And so when Apple gives them something new, they want them to, to, to invent stuff. They want them to be innovative. And then they're innovative and they're like, wait, but you weren't innovative the way I wanted you to be. You know, you you, you didn't answer all of my um you know, like hopes and dreams. And and you didn't give me the the perfect laptop built just for me. And it's like, well, because they've got to build a laptop for millions of people, not just for you. But I think my my one quibble with the new MacBook Pro without the touch bar is the price. And I think that that will eventually come down, and I think that it, it will be you know um, something that a lot of people will do. But I have a problem right now with it being $1,500, and it's not so much that I don't think that it's worth $1,500 because I do think that it, it lives up to its expectations and what you want from it. I just think that $1,500 for entry-level for a laptop is a lot of money, and especially if you are somebody who, say, has a current MacBook, MacBook Air and if you've got a current MacBook Air if it's you know a few years old maybe it is time to do the investment And $1500 if you realize you're probably going to have the laptop for 4 or 5 years probably is okay to do but in addition to spending that $1500 you're going to need to buy a dock and you're going to need to make sure that you have adapter cables and you're going to need to make sure that you know you have things on demand when you're traveling so that you know if you want to upload photos from your your camera you've got an adapter or if you need to use a usb thumb drive you've got an adapter and all those little things add up and it makes it difficult not impossible but it makes it more difficult to say this is the mac you should buy especially when the starting price for a macbook air was a thousand dollars and now this new one which is basically kind of taking its place is fifteen hundred dollars
1: yeah i honestly like I just always want to ask people if they want their 32 pin connectors back.
0: No, I agree with you. And I <laughs> Cuz that was I,
1: one of the arguments. Now oh, I have no. to buy all these adapters and dongles and really what did it take like 6 months.
0: No, totally. It's a little bit different when you're talking about something like USB. And Marco Arment, who, you know, I love and and, and agree with him on a lot of things, he was like they should have included one USB port on the laptops. I disagree with him. I agree with John Gruber, who is like, if they'd done that, then the transition would have been even slower. And he's absolutely right because as long as you have that crutch, you're not going to be moved to the future. And so even though this is one, but this is such an Apple move, right? Like they get rid of adapters or connections or whatever that we've used forever, and they force us into the next thing. And you're forced to do it because you have to. So, okay, you don't need a new microphone now, but the next time you buy a microphone, you're going to be damn sure that it has, you know, USB-C. Yeah, and and so I think that for stuff like that, I mean it, it's fine, or, or you're gonna make sure that you have a, a dock. Um, I don't know. I uh, I like the new I like the new MacBook Pro. I think that it's a good machine. I'm about to do a battle moto where I will pit that against a Dell XPS 13, um, a 13 inch laptop from Razer, which was kind of a gaming slash productivity laptop, and um, the um, Microsoft's um, Surface Pro um four, which is older, but I I felt like was only fair to c- compare it against. And so I'll be doing like a head to head on all of those. And it'll be interesting to see where the MacBook fits in that. Um but uh I also and I would love to have kind of your thoughts like because the real MacBook Pro, I mean the obviously the one without the touch bar is available now and it's interesting and it's a, a good upgrade. But that's not the one that most people are excited about and have been kind of split on. Most of them are, are really, it, the discussion has all been about the touch bar. So I'd love to know from your perspective, somebody who I'm sure uses the function keys way more than I do, how do you feel about the fact that the function keys are gone?
1: I I don't like it. That would be my short answer.
0: Okay, well, we have a whole podcast. <laughs> um,
1: okay, so the, the intriguing part like obviously, there's a. Geez, oh, Quip is messing with me right now. I'm sorry. I'm trying to like add show notes, and <laughs> it's being obstinate. Obstinate.
0: L- yeah, that's a good word. That that's the correct word too. And thank thanks a lot, uh, Salesforce.
1: <laughs> Blame it on the acquisition.
0: I. Absolutely. Let's let's just be those people where we blame all of our tech products not working exactly as they should on the acquisition, even though I doubt that anything has substantially changed. One iota with Quip since Brett sold it for Jesus Christ money.
1: Let us clarify not not Brett Terpstra.
0: No, 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 not Brett, Brett Terpstra. Brett, uh, Brett Taylor, who uh, also who who uh, created a co creator of, of Google Maps. Uh, former CTO of Facebook, uh, Twitter board member, and uh, a man who successfully sold his, um, you know, very very good real time, <laughs> what what would you call this word processor productivity tool to Salesforce for like seven hundred million dollars. Yeah, that that seems like an uh, accomplishment. A very big accomplishment. He's a Brett T, but he's not our Brett T. Um, you you at least uh, you'll always be my heart, even if if, if uh, Taylor. Brett Taylor is way more successful. <laughs> oh fuck you. Right. <laughs> I love you.
1: <laughs> All right. Um yeah, but okay, so the touch bar it, it the the potential for with an O L E D the ability to change the context of it per like application, even per operation. Yeah. That is extremely appealing. I I feel like for most of the people who work with the stuff that I make, they don't like to look at their keyboard. So that it feels, ergonomically, it feels slightly uh, annoying to me. Like to have to look down from your screen just far enough that you have to take your eyes off your screen and then you have to move your hands off the keyboard... It, it, i I feel like it's something I could totally get used to. It could become second nature, so I'm not totally poo-pooing that. Sure. And the the possibilities are amazing to me. Uh especially if it's something that's hackable from a like a non app like um area. So yeah. like you can script it or you can hack it with things like like what sale was before Sierra ruined it. Um, but that being said, function keys are th- I hack them all the time, most of my keyboard shortcuts uh, for things like popping up NValt, for adding new tasks to Omnifocus, for like any of those kind of non-modal uh, quick tasks, all use function keys and mine mine do what i'm talking about where the as the context changes as the current app changes the function keys have different functions and i i never use them for things like uh what do they call it when all expose right i don't use them for expose i don't use them for volume control like all of that is handled by other Uh, touchpad gestures for me, thanks to Better Touch Tool. So for me personally, with this crazy hacked setup that no one else in the world has, that feels like a disappointment.
0: Yeah. This is why I wanted to talk to you about it because I don't use my function row i use i have key commands other places but i very rarely have anything matched matted at, or not matted um mapped uh, m- mapped that's the word i was looking for thank you yeah. mapped to my function row i just genuinely don't um there are some apps that will use some of those things but honestly it's mostly volume that i'm adjusting or muting in, in most cases or um Occasionally, you know, screen brightness, but I I don't use that row in general. I just kind of ignore it. And I think that's probably how a lot of people.
1: I would say that all of Apple's target customers, which clearly in the last few years has become not. Pro customers.
0: Yes. And I think that the definition of pro is is different. I mean, I think that they're, you know,
1: there are pro and there are power and lumping together, lumping them together for the sake of this. I feel like pro users, people who use their Macs in a context where they need extra power, where they need extra storage, where they all got screwed over by the Trash Can Pro, like, those people are probably using, like, I mean, if you look at the shortcuts in video editing software, uh, like, let's take Final Cut Pro, which I haven't used X, but I assume it makes use of those keys, and, I mean, the fact is, my, my, my keyboard combinations can change that's not a big deal. I I can I can cope with that. Um and for the record, I use better touch tool. It it maps to my trackpad and I can use the rotate gesture which I've disabled in preferences. I can use that gesture with like two fingers just twisting on my trackpad to change my volume.
0: Oh, that's cool. I should do that. It that's awesome.
1: Cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so yeah, like the keyboard shortcuts, I mean, there will be an initial and it's a lot the same as people complaining that, you know, the port changed. Uh the muscle memory can change and I've I've already had to do that with some changes in uh MacBook and like the Magic Air or the Magic keyboard and the Magic trackpad. But um I guess the my my point is that if I'm going to complain about anything, it's going to be about screwing up all of my Muscle memory.
0: Yeah. And that's not, I mean, and that's something worthy of complaining about. It's it's a, it's a small audience, but it, it is something to be worthy of, of, of thinking about. And, is and it I,
1: though, because I feel like I, if someone else said that, my immediate devil's advocate argument would be deal with it.
0: I you mean, know. you're not wrong. Okay. Again, I, you're not wrong. Get over it, deal with it. But to, at the same time, when you get used to having something that worked a certain way and then there's a big change that, can feel arbitrary, and I'm not saying that it is arbitrary because I think that they have a reason, and and I'll I'll expand on my theory in a little bit about why I think they've done this, and and my my reason my rationale is not that unique. I think a lot of people have had the same thought, but like, you know, they've they've had when it feels arbitrary, when it feels like they're making these changes to make them and everything worked the way you wanted it to. I think that it's worthy of saying this is a very expensive laptop. It has a lot of good things going for it, but do I want to pay minimum $1,800 um, to have to relearn how to use all, to have to remap my key bindings and relearn how to use my computer? Yeah. I think that that's valid. That's what a lot of people are responding to. And it's interesting because Apple actually, with response to the dongle issue, has done something they never do, which is to lower prices temporarily on their stuff. So they've dropped prices on. The um, USB-A to USB-C adapter, it used to be $19. Now it's $9. they have dropped the price on the Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3 adapter. It used to be $50. Now it's $29. They've dropped prices on other stuff. And then going even further, in the Apple Store and on AppleStore.com, all of the Thunderbolt 3 slash USB-C accessories are 25 percent off including the new 5k lg monitor that they literally just announced that thing is now 25 off through the end of the year so is the 4k monitor so they're talking about the fact that like this monitor that was over a thousand dollars is now under a thousand dollars because <laughs> people complain so much about i think that you know about this dongle hell situation they're going to be in but I think that that's one – I mean that's how you can address the IO problem is you can make it less expensive for people to get dongles and accessories. I think that changing your function keys, if you are someone who uses the function keys a lot, and certainly a lot of programmers have talked about losing the escape key even though it, it does appear most okay, of the time. That
1: is, To me, that's a separate issue from the function keys. Sure, But I use my caps lock as escape, so –
0: Right. Okay. So you're. <laughs> i yeah, fine. So, so you'll be fine. I mean, and, and that's actually that's not a bad op. That's a that's a good life hack for anybody, I guess, who was really committed to them or whatever. Because that's, I guess, primarily where they're using their escape keys, right?
1: Yeah. Which is, you can assign that in system preferences. Like I had it assigned to sale, which broke with Sierra. But yeah, to be able to hit escape with your pinky from the home row.
0: that's that's actually better
1: anyway yeah and who needs a freaking caps lock key Uh,
0: no caps lock key is the most useless key on the keyboard without a doubt um what i will say though to respond to kind of your earlier thought about how it will feel unnatural you know having to look down at a touch bar even though it's cool to have it be dynamic when you're so used to looking at the screen I found in my time with it, and I haven't spent a ton of time with the MacBook Pro the Touch Pro, but I found with my time with it that I actually was shocked by how natural it felt. Yeah. Because of where it's placed, it's so close to the screen that even looking at the screen, it just it felt natural to then just you know look down and, and tap when needed. So that. when you
1: when you look down, can you still see everything on the screen in like peripheral vision? Is it? Yes. Yeah. See that. That makes sense to me.
0: And, and so in, in what it opens up in certain apps, like they, they have us in Final Cut Pro 10 where you can scrub through your timeline. There's a certain function where you can literally just have your finger going across the timeline and scrub through. And in some ways that is actually better and you can get a little more pinpointy than oh, using that's huge. Than using the, chi- the gigantic, you know, touchpad. Um, and, and then you just you know stop when you need to and you could tap and and it'll like let you make your edit and then you can use your your keyboard shortcuts from there. So that's really cool. Excel has been able to put in a, a lot of functionality again, depending on what you're doing. you know if you're in a graph tool, for instance, you can then switch between types of graphs on the touch bar. Yeah. so you know you're not having to go through the menu anymore. Um, what I have found and I think that to me, it seems very clear that the reason that they introduced this touch bar is that this is how we get touch on the Mac. They're never going to bring us touch in Mac OS. Um, at least I don't believe so until the inevitable fusion between iOS and Mac OS, which I do think will yeah, eventually happen will. Uh, when that happens. Then I, I, I don't even know if, you know, this sort of touch bar thing would, would exist per se, or if it, it will exist in a different way, but it feels like this is how you bring touch to the Mac without having to reprogram everything. Without without building
1: a Surface Pro.
0: Exactly, and the problem with the Surface Pro, I mean, the Surface Pro is fine, it's a good machine, and the Surface Studio looks super cool, and I really enjoyed the time that I got to spend playing around with that. Um, A, the Surface Studio is very specialized. People talk about how Apple doesn't care about professionals, and I'm thinking, okay, but the Surface Studio, and they, they point to the Surface Studio as like an example of that. I'm like, okay, but genuinely, how many professionals wanted that from apple probably none because they all have cintiqs and 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 so you know in the service studio might be a good replacement for a cintiq i'm not arguing against that but it's not as if this is something where it was you know creating a product when when no other product just like it didn't already exist it's like there were already 27 inch tablets that people could draw on and did so whatever but um when I, I you know, but but short of but the problem with touch on Windows Ten, even though they did build things from the ground up, is that even though for for a lot of touch points, it works pretty well, like you know accessing your start menu, accessing certain settings, getting to certain tiles and whatnot, doing certain sliders. But to me, I still very rarely use touch on Windows when I use a Windows machine, even though most Windows laptops that I play with have a touch screen, because it feels unnatural and you can't get as specific as you want to. It just, it's not there. And so I kind of understand why Apple hasn't done that until we get the, the inevitable fusion between the two OSs. Um, but it does feel fairly natural to be able to kind of interact in a different way uh, on your um, touch bar. Having said that, for the first time ever, and I almost like, I feel like I embarrassed myself in front of the Apple person. Um, I like touched the screen more than once <laughs> I, when I was I, using the touch bar. As I've gotten to
1: work more on, iOS as apps and integrations have become better I'm actually doing like a lot of blogging and writing especially from my iPad right where you can add an external keyboard but you still have to touch the screen pretty frequently yes I find myself getting back to my MacBook Pro and touching the (laughs) screen way more than I want to
0: Right. And it's a bizarre feeling, but it was weird to me because I've never really made that mistake before, unless like you, I've spent a lot of time on my MacBook or my iPad pro rather. And for the same sort of reason was kind of used to interacting that way. But it was weird. You know, I was playing with the touch bar and it was like, oh, I want to do this. And then touching something on the screen and realizing, oh, wait a minute, that doesn't work. But it, but it does kind of bring you that taste of touch and that I think is really interesting about it is the fact that this is, you know, for a company that is for a really long time and kind of adamantly against ever having touch on the Mac, they're Let, kind of bringing touch to the Let's draw a
1: line here though, because like earlier you said something Apple never does in, in reference to the price drops. Yes. I think we need to begin distinguishing Jobs' Apple from Cook's Apple.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair. Because but...
1: that is something that would never happen in Jobs' Apple. And, sure. And maybe Cook's Apple is going to develop a different history. You'll know, like when you no longer be able to say Apple never without saying Apple under Jobs would never.
0: Okay. Very fair point. But I think even Apple under Tim Cook or and, and Apple under the current leadership, and of course this could all change – has made it very clear that they don't want Touch on the Mac because the entire response to Touch on the Mac, Windows 8, Windows 10, the Surface, all that stuff happened after Steve Jobs died. Yes. So even though there were people who were pushing for touchscreen MacBooks and, and didn't even see Wozniak, I think, even backed one of those companies. Remember, we used to see them at Macworld. Yeah. You know, the people who would put, would put the touchscreen on the MacBooks and, and and have styli and whatnot and, and yeah. kind of build those sorts of things. This is before the iPad. People were building tablet Macs. And, you know, obviously back then, even more clearly, you know, the, the Steve Jobs Apple wasn't going to do that. But this whole movement towards touchscreen operating systems, desktop operating systems has really taken off. Right. Okay. But
1: to that point, one decision at a time since Jobs' death, his philosophy has been kind of eroded. Things that you could easily say, Steve would never would have done that. And it's just been, you know, one thing here, one thing there. But over time, it's it's clear that they are slowly – extricating themselves from steve jobs very again obstinate philosophy uh, I, like,
0: I i agree with you i agree with you i'm just saying i think in the terms of the the touchscreen stuff i mean you're right that, the, you're no right. there we is do.
1: absolutely a demand for it they do need to but apple previously never would have admitted that
0: right no they I, would but, have
1: convinced us otherwise
0: sure at the same time I i could see this I don't know. I could see Steve Jobs introducing the exact same MacBook Pro, and I wonder if the response would have been any different from, like, the fanboys. Oh, they, it wouldn't. If, There's
1: always been outrage. I don't think
0: so. I was going to say, I think the outrage would have been exactly the same. I mean, there was outrage with the original MacBook Air, even though that was a very specialized type of computer. There was outrage when – I mean, I was part of the outrage. Remember the, the unibody MacBook? Yeah. Not the MacBook Pro, but the MacBook that didn't have FireWire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was pretty pissed about that. In fact, yeah. I remember writing a really angry article for for, for TUAW. I kind of take um, pleasure
1: in the outrage. Uh, I I rarely have it myself, but I take pleasure in watching it because ask the same people a year later, right? If they want to go back to what they were so mad they lost a year ago, optical drives. You know, it's it it, like nobody nobody would say, "Oh, I really miss my my DVD burner." Hmm. Um, I I don't even remember if they could ever burn internally, but they uh, could. Like, who? No one does that anymore because the industry moved away from it, and Apple's often the impetus for the industry moving away from it. Oh, totally. Since they became you know what we know now is apple anyway
0: yeah no i would agree I, and i would say even before what we know is Apple, i mean going back to probably 97 you know uh, 98 with the iMac and USB you know getting rid of that floppy drive they were way earlier than ever, other people but once apple did it i think that it gave other other companies more permission
1: to do it for, and for apple in 97 it was way riskier though
0: i agreed so agreed. many people
1: would just be like oh well no pc i'll just switch
0: well, totally. But I think that they understood correctly that most people, the storage capacity on a floppy disk wasn't huge and that a lot of people, especially Mac users, you know, were already starting to email things. And, you know, they already saw that you had an Internet connection, you had a USB drive, that you could just plug in your zip disk or. That is know, interesting to note
1: that that Apple is was forward thinking before they could afford to be forward thinking.
0: Yeah, that I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. I think that because it was the right choice, I think it was aesthetically better and they just, you know, they wanted that front to be, to exist. They didn't want to have slots on the side. Well, and And, they
1: saw that something wasn't necessary, even though people would gripe about it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, because in the the second generation, iMac had, you know, a CD burner built into it and that was really where it was going at that point, right? It was that, okay, you know, we need higher capacity, you know, storage things and, and a zip disk is expensive and and is better than a floppy. But the real you know thing for everybody was burning CDs. You know, not just yeah. for use, but even for data. And they were able to be way ahead of that. So you also bought them a
1: way better app. archival storage mechanism than floppies it's everywhere.
0: Without a doubt, it's not going to you know zap your stuff if you happen to be near a magnet. Right. A <laughs> uh, weird segue before before we go on to the next topic. I remember once I worked in the Mac lab when I was in, um, in middle school, and this girl. Coming in and, and she'd been coming in diligently like every morning because she didn't have a computer at home, you know, working on a project for the end of the year and, you know, saving to her disk and, and and working on a saving to her disk. And she comes in one day and she's freaking out and she's like, my project's not on my disk anymore. And I put in the disk and sure enough, the disk is completely erased. Like it's actually like coming up with a format. Do you want to format a Mac or a PC? You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, your stuff is gone. And she and, and she was like, well, I don't understand how this could happen. I'm like, well, where were you storing it? And she pulls out this plastic bag. And inside the plastic bag was a disassembled floppy disk. And I said, you, you're you storing your your disk in with this? Yeah. Why were you doing that? Oh, well, I, th- I thought it looked really cool. <laughs> and I had to explain. So those magnets, this disassembled disk you've got in here, that wiped your disk. And 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 this is why, you know, usually, you know, like at the school store or whatever, we sell them for 50 cents. You know, you should, like, put it in, like, a plastic case. It was, like... She was like very. She was very angry. It was like it was my fault. Why did this happen? I was like, I, I don't know. We're the same age, and I, I know better than this. I'm not saying you should have, <laughs> but but this is why this happened. And I'm super sorry. Maybe go to one of the machines you worked on. Maybe you have a local copy was was stored. You know who knows. I don't remember if she ended up having to redo her whole project or what. I just remember feeling bad for her, but also being like just laughing to myself that somebody would would decide to store. They're floppy with the innards of another floppy
1: when I was a kid, everything was temporary, and you just accepted it because <laughs> when I started there we had five and a quarter floppy disks five, was it five? yeah five and a quarter yeah and and those were those were subject to you know disintegration at that point mm-hmm. and so actually, it was even before most of us could afford. To have floppy storage we were writing through uh magnetic cassette tapes
0: i was gonna say cassette tapes and wasn't that a thing i if, think
1: if your cassette deck like ate the tape you lost all your basic programs all your logo routines <laughs> it was just gone all your uh word star spreadsheets and
0: it was snapshot before snapshot <laughs>
1: <laughs> disposable everything like you just accepted that if something went wrong you were going to have to start over and it was a uh, it was a frame of mind uh, for people who couldn't afford any you know large capacity you know like those 10 megabyte external hard drives ugh those are way beyond the price range of a 7 year old kid <laughs> hmm okay so you also mentioned the mini Nintendo.
0: Yes. So this is probably the coolest. I'm probably, I'm, I'm way more excited. We just spent all this time talking about the MacBook, but I'm actually way more excited about the mini Nintendo. <laughs> and I'm way more excited about the new, about the Nintendo. So it's called the NES classic edition. And it is a very tiny little box that looks exactly like the original Nintendo. It's just miniaturized. So the original NES from 85 and it has, but it has on the back of it, it has an HDMI port and a USB port, and the USB port plugs into power, or you can plug it into the USB on your TV. And on the front, it has two controller ports, and they work. the controllers work with your Wii, or you can use your Wii controllers with it. And the controller that it comes with looks just like the classic Nintendo controller, exactly the same size. I think it's a little bit lighter, which is fine. And you turn it on, you plug it into your HDMI, you turn it on, you press the power button, because it's got a power and reset button on, on the front, just like the original. And you're greeted with 30 classic nintendo games exactly as you remember them
1: uh what, what were those uh what were the game emulator lame is lame
0: the... oh there they're, they're, there's lame well the, the lame isn't the game emulator that's the uh MAME is what you're thinking Mame.
1: of right sorry yeah okay yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Like so that. I, i've played on people's boxes uh yeah homemade uh game systems but this plugs right into whatever tv you have
0: Exactly, or your monitor, and and I have to say, I've been playing emulated games since the 90s, and I've gone through all the major, you know, NES emulators, and you know, used main boxes. I've built emulator things on Android devices. I even have a, an original Xbox somewhere that's still hacked, that had you know a ton of stuff on it, and this is better in a lot of ways because, a, um, whatever they've done with the porting process is really good. Like if somebody did a side by side comparison video where they compared the quality of games from the wii u virtual console so the stuff that you buy from nintendo that you play on your wii u versus this and it's night and day like it's it's cleaner it's sharper the colors are better um it looks more um realistic and the the playback mode you have three different options one is a crt filter which will make it fuzzy and kind of look like you were playing (laughs) on an old crt tv and that's kind of cool for the
1: truly nostalgic
0: completely and then there's one that's like a four by three mode which you know has everything in four by three mode and looks similar to how you would have watched played it on your tv as a kid and then there's this pixel perfect mode where every pixel is a is a perfect square and that's basically identical to how the game designers developed the games so the um, aspect ratio is a a little bit um tighter it's not quite four by three um so it looks you know it looks a little different but it basically is the same way that the original game designers designed them but it's awesome. Um, you know, it, it, the, the down, there are two downsides. Downside number one is that there's no internet connection, no SD card slot. So you're stuck with the 30 games that are preloaded on it. So you can never get any different games. Um, it would have been cool if they'd had like the ability to, you know, have um, – to, to buy other game packs like, you know, SD card slot. And they could sell out their packs so you could get additional titles. That would be cool. Uh, but I also – for $60, I'm not going to complain. Because getting 30 games, even if you only like 15 of them, and honestly, the, the, the selection of 30 is pretty solid, I think is is a fine deal, especially for what this is. But uh, the, the one thing that is really kind of annoying is that the length of the controller cable is ridiculously short. It's like two and a half feet. And so, you know, A, that's a lot shorter than what the original cable lengths were. B... You know, you're in a situation where you've got to like have a long HDMI cable, which fortunately it comes with. You've got to have your you know thing plugged into power, and then you've got to like drag it like across the room so that you can sit far enough back and, from, and play from it. your
1: 60 inch TV.
0: Precisely, that's kind of the problem. <laughs> uh, the the one the one, but of, as is usually the case with the Nintendo stuff, third parties have already created solutions. Uh, NICO or NICO, however you say them, has already created a Bluetooth. Um, wireless controller. So it'll be a little wireless thing will plug into the front of it and then you'll be able to use a wireless NES controller. And so that's really cool. And uh, that's like 20 bucks. So um, they're sending me one, which I'm excited about um, so that I can I can get my game on um, from across the room. But um, it's uh, it's super cool. And for me who when I was six years old got my first Nintendo and loved the hell out of that thing and like I kind of credit the Nintendo as my love for gadgets and computers in general um almost 28 years later like playing with it again uh kind of made my week and it's super super cool so it comes out on November 11th and it's awesome how do you spell Nyko and I'll I'll put in a link for that controller okay
1: because I have been kind of fascinated by the eight-bit do, yeah. Any uh, Bluetooth controllers? I got yeah. I got their SNES one, and ended up not working with my Apple TV, which was disappointing. That is um, disappointing. But I ended up the one I eventually got was a clone of the Xbox controller, with way more buttons than I want or need. Um, but I can't remember. It's the one that Apple sells on their store, but anyway, uh, they have uh, an NES controller that is identical Bluetooth, and I assume it might work. Does it this might. does this mini Nintendo have Bluetooth? I think I missed it that. It does part. not. Okay. No, it does
0: not. It does not. So that's why you have to get the the, the Nyko thing that that I've put in the the notes because it has. I guess a little Bluetooth connector or whatever that'll oh, plug into, okay. into the front. Hell, huh? but, exactly. So you have a little <laughs> dongle at the front. I mean, I assume it's Bluetooth. It could be RF, I suppose, but I, sure. I assume it's Bluetooth. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm excited about it. So the the new the new mini NES is just so cool, and. Uh, I love it. I love everything about it. It's very exciting. They also, I- I- interestingly enough, Nico is also selling extender cables for the NES Classic.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> for so you can you can buy you know extender cables for it too. Which that's, it
1: doesn't really feel nostalgic and authentic if you're not wired to your TV somehow.
0: No, I mean, and I think wireless is fine. <laughs> but you're right. Well, and in, in, in the comments on my post yesterday, my review that went up, people were like, "Hey, they really are trying to get you, you know, to feel like." Um, you're a kid again by being like two inches from your yeah, television. exactly. I feel like you should
1: have to buy like a CRT TV. Like it's something boxy square and heavy and small and curved on the front. And I, I, I feel like to really get the experience of, uh, 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 uh what would you call the mode CRT mode?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That would be, that's the kind of how it has to, to work. <laughs>
1: I I will admit that I went from I got a an Atari 2800 when let's see it would've been 19 like 92 which you know was way late obviously and at that point I got it for 25 bucks and I got a huge moving box full of cartridges and I got uh, an EEPROM burner so that I could play a bunch of pirated games And that was the last console I owned before I got my Xbox 360, which I never played. Um, It's become a Blu-ray DVD player. But I, so my experience with the classic Nintendo was all at friends' houses playing Punch-Out!! and Street Fighter. Um, And I was okay at it, but I never owned one, so I never got good at it. But there's still some nostalgia there for me. (laughs)
0: yeah yeah i um i played the hell out of my nintendo and my super nintendo and then went to n64 then playstation and you know okay i missed a couple
1: i missed a couple of classes in college because my roommate got an n64 (laughs) even mario kart was addictive on that thing oh mario Um, kart
0: was great on that Four player what are you talking about mario kart was amazing on the n64
1: i eventually had to swear it off because i i seriously there were two days in a row that a combination of amphetamines and n64 caused me to fall a little bit behind on my schooling (laughs) i realized quickly that was going to be a bad a bad thing Anyway, I'm gonna skip. I, I put the Apple Watch Series Two on here, but I just ordered mine. I haven't gotten it yet, so let's talk about that. We'll talk after. about that once you get it, sure. Because my Series One, like uh, it was fine in the shower for such a long time, and then suddenly it wasn't. Whoops. huh, oh, yeah. I will tell you before we end the uh, the tech section here at 47 minutes in. I know. I was like, um, I was
0: like, we talked a long time about we did.
1: tech. Um. I I will. Hey, mention, we are a
0: tech podcast, right? We are on the gadget section of iTunes. I'll have you know.
1: It's about time we lived up to it. Uh, I bought the first version of of Lightpack, uh, which is a it's a little hardware controller for ten strips of LED lights, and the first version you have to plug into a dedicated computer, and then it will read input. Um, so so like basically it you okay uh how to describe this you mount the LED strips around the outside of a monitor or a TV screen and it detects the colors on the screen within within the zones of each LED strip and then projects light matching that color onto the wall behind it so if you're watching a movie and you have this attached the wall lights up in colors that expand what's on the screen it's a cool concept it's one of those things i have a fetish for buying completely unnecessary but cool technology and this is this fits into that category it's also yeah i'm looking
0: at this right now it's interesting
1: Okay, but version two, which is out for pre-order right now,
0: yeah, it's on IndieGoGo right now, right? That one,
1: yeah, th- that one works with just um, HDMI input, so you don't need like right now. If I wanted to run this on my TV, I would need a like dedicated, at least like a small Linux machine,
0: right, Raspberry Pi or something,
1: to connect it. And it, I, I'm curr- I'm running it's on, it's mounted on my twenty-seven inch um uh the apple display why am i forgetting the name for what used to be the coolest apple display
0: the cinema display
1: yes um that's what it's running on right now hooked into my my macbook pro and i'm kind of using it for backlighting and it's um a, a regrettable purchase if that's all i do with it but um yeah, so anyway, I I love the idea. I really want the new version of it. I can't at this point recommend it to anybody. I think it has potential and I think if the up to, if the refresh rate were fast enough and the HDMI input were all that were necessary, e.g. version 2, um it, it might be different, but I guess the point is I finally got my office so clean that I ran out of things to clean and ended up making use of this thing I bought months ago. <sighs> so, hey, uh, have you heard of Boom for iOS? You no, know, I haven't. I've heard of the regular Boom. Which w- w- they sponsored us a, a, a couple, probably the last episode because it's been like a month since we'd done this.
0: Yeah, I remember they, they sponsored us and I've definitely used Boom for uh, Boom for Mac and it's great. But there's Boom for iOS now?
1: Yes. Well, apparently there has been I was slow on the uptake.
0: I was too. But this is
1: exciting. Uh, uh, well, let's do a sponsor read, shall we?
0: Sure. Let's 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 all learn about Boom for iOS.
1: So, we all love our music, but when we listen to it on our phones, it has a compressed feel that we all hate, or at least those of us with really discerning ears. Uh we might spend a ton on expensive headphones, but that doesn't really fix it because the source is You know, compressed. Uh, But Boom, a music player app for your iPhones and your iPads, helps you get over it. Uh, Boom frees your music of that annoying compressed feel and breathes new life into it. And every single nuance of your music is fuller on any headphones.
0: Boom boasts an array of features. It comes with an amazing 3D surround setting, which you can manually control to get your desired output. And that it also has a very cool 16-band equalizer, and the audio intensity effects help create an immersive music experience. Boom is also applauded for its sleek and easy-to-use interface, and it's been consistently rated five stars in the App Store.
1: So if you want to immerse yourself in your music, Boom is the app to have on your iPhone and iPads. It's available in the App Store for $2.99, and you can visit boomforios.com to learn more and get Boom for your iOS device. If you're a Mac user, don't forget that Boom also has a version for the Mac with slightly different features, but an equally awesome experience.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for sponsoring Overtired Boom. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Um, so now I have to go back to my show notes. Yeah. But I feel like we should throw in a little pop culture before we get done I here. Th- I think
0: so, yeah, I, the, the people come to us for our tech and culture musings.
1: Yeah, I, I, we have a we have a reputation to live up to. We do. And while I don't I do, I'm going to I'm going to say this and I, please don't respond if I'm wrong. But I, I think we're short on Taylor Swift news this week. We are. So we really maybe should talk about. I don't know. You said you went to an Adele concert.
0: Yeah, yes, I did.
1: I just watched um, her car karaoke with the dude from the Late Late Show.
0: Yeah, James Corden. Yeah. that was
1: That was kind of, um, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit.
0: The concert was awesome. So I actually flew to Atlanta for the concert. So I think we might have even talked about it on the show. I don't know if we ever did. But for Christmas last year, I bought my mom Adele tickets. So almost a year later the concert finally it was finally time for the concert and i flew out to atlanta last week and uh we went we saw her and she she's an amazing live performer brett if you ever have a chance to to see her um live i highly highly recommend it because she puts on one hell of a show i i believe that her voice is incredible she's funny she told good stories um you know everybody in the crowd. It was, it was definitely an older crowd than a Taylor Swift show. You know, most people were closer to my mom's age than my age. Um, I felt like I was like the only person under 40 in my row and that's fine. Um, but there were still, it was kind of, you know, you you saw a number of younger people there too. There was a, little girl it was her 17th I guess not little but she was it was her 17th birthday and she I guess had like floor seats and had posters had a poster out saying it's my birthday and, and Adele actually brought her on stage and had the audience sing happy birthday to her and her mom got to be on stage and take you know photos and they all got selfies together and it was adorable and that sounds like, like Adele
1: just needed a break it's like you guys <laughs> so, sing for a sec
0: this was at the beginning of, of the show. And so it was really funny, though. But, but you know, like the, the mom was clearly like beside herself. And that was definitely that girl's like best birthday in the history of her life. Like nothing will ever compare to being brought up on stage by Adele um, and have the audience serenade you. That was really cool. At the end of the the show, before the encore, you know, she got up on on the B stage and was kind of talking to the crowd, and people are you know throwing gifts for her up on on stage and flags from their countries and things like that. And uh, she was very very approachable, very very funny. Um, and her voice though was just fantastic. She it was it was an amazing amazing concert.
1: What is Adele's um, origin? What what was her childhood? I ask because I didn't realize until that James Corden. Uh, segment that she has such a, like a cockney accent
0: yes she's from like south london so she's from like working class south side yeah she's like from like working class london like she's yeah, she has to be which like i think normal person i think that's
1: a key ingredient to someone being a truly friendly warm performer on stage yeah so that and a, and a personality that's not overly egotistical
0: yeah, I, I would agree with that because she she comes across as very approachable and and she's different. Like Taylor Swift is approachable and Taylor Swift is also very good with her audience. But it's there's a difference mm. like like Taylor Swift does I mean, she's self effacing, but she's not going to like make fun of um, her ass not fitting on the chair that she sits on until <laughs> well, like.
1: <laughs> there's no chair. Her ass wouldn't fit on.
0: OK, that's true. Uh, but <laughs> but just, I get what
1: you're saying. Yes.
0: But let's say that that wasn't the case. Something still tells me that, that Taylor Swift wouldn't like be making jokes like that and, and certainly doesn't have the, the boisterous laugh. There's just something about Adele that's really infectious and is really great. Yeah. It, yeah, it was- I,
1: I, I do. I, I love her. I, I do love the music. Um, I would say I find more to appreciate in it than I do in some Taylor Swift songs, although Taylor Swift's catalog is big enough that yeah, there's always something I can truly appreciate in it. But Adele, like the just the fact that she took years off.
0: hmm. Yeah. I mean, she sold three million copies of twenty five in its first week, which I mean, we talked about it on our show. Like, it's insane. Like, I never thought it would happen. I figured that once NSYNC broke that record, like. 15 16 years ago i was like well that's it you know no one will ever sell more than two million copies of an album ever again especially in this climate of, of streaming and everything else and she didn't have hers on spotify or apple music or anything for like six months you know 25 wasn't on that stuff it was like she was like no i'm gonna release my album and you've all waited so long you know it's been you know four years between more you know album releases and people are ready for me and we'll, we'll pay you know for it and they did, you know, and people paid and and went out and saw her in concert and she was even joking. She was like, how many people, you know, were got these gifts, you know, as 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 Christmas gifts, you know, but got these tickets for Christmas, you know, and a whole bunch of us, you know, screamed out and she was like, well, glad we could make it so timely for you. I mean, like, but the, <laughs> but that says a lot. I mean, the tickets sold out instantly, like the concert period, like sold out, like instantaneously. I didn't even try for the New York tickets because I knew I wasn't going to get them. Because she she played five shows in Madison Square Garden, and I was like, I'm not even trying. So I was like, I will go for Atlanta, and I will go for the second show. And I I was able to get really good seats. So it worked out.
1: Um, she did say that this would be the last numeric release. Yeah. Her last numeric album. I I can't remember her rationale for that but
0: yeah i don't she didn't talk about i she she mentioned that on the concert too and she she said that i don't i'm not sure why uh i guess maybe you know you can only do that like you do that like three times and like hey
1: did you so you saw the james corden segment
0: yes yes i I think that it's his it's one of the most viewed segments in the history of like all of late night tv
1: when he uh when he was when it first starts he's sitting outside her apartment on his cell phone. Yeah. Uh, hello, it's me. <laughs> it was good. Um,
0: it was really good. No, the concert was really good. It opened like she has this screen, and the screen like that the lights, uh, the are just like her eyes, and right before she starts, you know, it like it's almost like the eyes start like kind of blinking and, and like, you can see like inhale and exhale and then, and you see that happening. And then she comes up on the, the the B stage, not on the main stage. Like, so no one's expecting her. She like rises up from like the, the ground, like to the top. And like, as the eyes open is when, when that first note of hello hits. And it's, it was pretty cool. Nice. Very dramatic.
1: All right. Do you want to talk about a little TV? Do you have some time?
0: I have some time. Let's talk about some TV.
1: So, there, there are a series of shows that I would consider not, like, absolute must-see TV, but that are each brilliant. Um, the, the three that come to mind right now are The Real O'Neills, Mindy Project, and The Good Place, all current season stuff. Have you, have you Which of these have you seen? I've seen the,
0: the Mindy Project.
1: Okay, this season of The Mindy Project... Uh, Last season uh, started to hurt a little, like started to get too dramatic. And I had concerns, not because last season was bad, but it felt like it was leading somewhere that would be outside of my wheelhouse of like ability to relate this season. Pull it back. This season's been amazing. I'm into I'm into all the characters right now. Oh my god! Did you know that uh, my wife noticed this last night? We were watching Superstore, and there's an employee that is prominent in the most recent episode of Superstore. Who you you watch his mouth, and you're like that moves just like the nurse guy from uh, Mindy. I forget his name. I'm forgetting all these names, but they're actually brothers. I had to I had to track (sighs) it down. But he is actually his brother, and it was like this other guy who was delivering lines with the same facial expressions and emphasis as the male nurse on Mindy Project. Um, yeah, it, it's <laughs> kind
0: of like uh, who is the guy? Um, um, Seth Meyers' his brother, who was on the Mad TV at the same time that like Seth Meyers started on SNL. I
1: I don't recall, but I I will have to go look this up now because that. Would but be that's
0: fine. yeah no that was it was it, it was it was a. Uh, yeah, Seth Myers has, has like a, a younger brother and uh they were both on like, you know, he was obviously on like the the real <laughs> sketch show and then his his brother was on uh his brother Josh, who also was on the final season of uh that seventies show, but he but he was on Mad T V um at the same time, like the same year like Seth started on SNL. It was really funny.
1: Nice. Um so the other one I well the one of the other ones would be uh The Good Place. Have you seen this at all?
0: I have not. So tell me about it.
1: It's on Hulu. I I I didn't even realize it until a friend told me I needed to watch it. Um and they were right. It's uh it's a story starring Kristen Bell.
0: Oh, right. This is the Kristen Bell um uh what's his face one? Ted Danson? Ted Danson. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um and it's about heaven and hell. Uh, kind of like it's, it's uh it's, it's the afterlife and it doesn't fit into any like known religious belief about what the afterlife will be, but it's kind of a, a mishmash. Like everyone got a little something right about it. And she accidentally, she's supposed to go to hell cause she was a horrible person, but someone with the same name died at the same time as her in the same place. And she gets switched and she shows up in the good place.
0: Oh, you're right, right, right. And, and she like, doesn't want like them to know, like actually, which I was an
1: asshole at first. You think that's what it's going to be about. But by episode, we'll say, I think eight. Mm -hmm. That's our, they've already figured it out. Uh, the, the, the leader, uh, we'll call him the devil. Uh, the, the, leader of the bad place shows up to take her back. And it's Adam Scott, nice. which is brilliant. It's um, fantastic. With I love his Adam crew Scott. Um, of people that you will recognize as definitely good at playing the part of like uh, ravers. Essentially they show up and they just want it because you can do anything you want there. So basically it's unlimited cocaine and bad music and they turn it into a rave and but yeah so i won't spoil so why would any anybody of this you want to go to
0: the bad place
1: uh you wouldn't there's no reason to go to the bad place um it is actually similar to the christian version of hell eternal torture like, okay and and customized torture the things you most oh, feared right. and hated <laughs> and the good place is the opposite where the things you most loved like when you show up there they give you the perfect house with the right decorations and like they assign you a soulmate that is actually the soulmate you were supposed to find and yeah it's kind of um
0: That's funny. So like you like you don't see your spouse like you see like oh right. this person. Exactly. Like oh my god I knew you in college. Why we never talked at a party or anything. Summer.
1: often someone you never would have had a chance to meet but yeah like definitely sure. um whoa there's a strange person outside my room
0: <laughs> huh
1: okay so anyway yeah it's a fun show and the writing is great and there are a lot of references uh that are uh we'll say dirtier than you would expect in the good place um but only if you have special knowledge of uh if you're a dirty person you'll you'll get a lot of the lines let's put it that way
0: okay well i i i um i've heard good things about this show and i'm going to now spend the rest of my weekend watching it i think i i would say it's worth it okay because um, i like her a lot i like Ted dance because um, i did that
1: once when you when you told me i needed to watch um what was it uh two two letters the same letters um oh god you know what i'm talking about you made me watch this and i hated it gossip girl yes <laughs> i spent a weekend trying and i i don't resent you for it but
0: yes you do but you it was were good. wrong i was wrong i mean yeah in retrospect <laughs> i really was wrong to try to force gossip girl on you i really was in retrospect, I really was. I think that was just for my own amusement because I love Gossip Girl so much.
1: Yeah. I feel like you projected onto me there.
0: I did. I was like, oh, you'll love You're it. Like, you'll really oh, enjoy he
1: agrees it. with me on Taylor Swift.
0: I did. And, and and also, you liked the OC, didn't you?
1: Um, I watched the OC. Honestly, don't remember if I liked it.
0: Okay. I, I think, th- you think you would like that. I think my wife's show. Okay. I think you would like the OC. I'm not telling you to watch it, but you watched Pretty Little Liars and enjoyed that, didn't you?
1: No. Not at no? all. Okay. No, I mean, I didn't watch it. Not that I didn't enjoy it. I have heard things that make me think I should watch it.
0: I mean, I think you would probably enjoy that more than Gossip Girl just because there's like a murder mystery at the center of it and it's very soapy and dramatic. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, it's got a level of ridiculousness that Gossip Girl was mostly – Anyway, it's different. Don't watch Pretty Little Liars. You have, there's more good TV to watch. I enjoy Pretty Little Liars. You don't need to do that. If we, if we were going to go back to something like that, I would have you retry a couple of episodes of The O.C. I bet you would like The O.C. I really do because it's funny and irreverent and like there are parts of that. It, well, it's...
1: I, I mean I did – I watched I think almost all of The O.C. I just yeah. don't recall.
0: If you liked it or not, well, so you've already seen it, so I mean, but yeah, anyway, I, I kept uh, watching
1: it, it must have been okay.
0: it must have been okay if you watched so much of it, yeah, of course, so, at okay. that
1: point, I had cable and I had a limited number of like I had a homemade d v r right so anyway the 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 third show in that list would be the Real O'Neill's, which is one I really feel i I don't hear about it anywhere, none of my friends talk about it, I don't hear people quoting from it, but it is truly one of the best written shows right now. I think it's on NBC.
0: It's CBS? on ABC. I think uh. I want to say I'm checking it is on ABC. Yes, that, I was corrected. It, it's on ABC. So it, um, that the, the Martha Plumpton is, uh, is the star of this, right? Um, actually I would,
1: I would say there's no star, all four family members, five family members, Kind of have equal roles in this. Uh,
0: right. But, but, but I mean, this is, I'm, I'm looking this up. Yeah. Cause I saw, I saw this some, the, the first season, Martha Plumpton's the one who I really recognize as the actors. Okay. Like be, before this show, like I, I knew her work.
1: Yeah. I think she's the only one I've ever seen before, but that the, the gay son is destined for fame. He steals most of the shows.
0: Yeah. He was really good. I recall that.
1: Um, but yeah, like this season has been a, a wonderful. Like I have no regrets continuing with this show after the first season. Um, so we're on second season now, and uh, premise of the show. In case we haven't mentioned it before, it's it's a very Catholic family, where the parents are getting divorced, are divorced, but he's still living in the basement. Uh, they have three children, one of whom is a, a snotty girl who's too smart for her own good, um, but has amazing lines, and a jock boy who is too dumb to function, but extremely caring about his siblings, and uh, a third child that is a gay boy who is just coming out in a Catholic school, and the amount of uh, awkwardness and hilarity that ensues is amazing and they deal with all of this (laughs) the humor is biting and the lines are the way i remember thinking about uh perks and rec over the yeah actually over the whole thing like the the way i was so amazed with the writing they were doing there there is definitely some of that shining through in the real O'Neills. i feel like i should definitely hear more about it but I can't quote it anywhere. No one, no one knows what I'm talking about.
0: Well, I think the problem is that its first season was like a mid-season replacement,
1: For so what? it
0: came out like I, I don't remember what it replaced, but it came out like in the middle of the the of like it came out like in March. Yeah. So, so you only had a few episodes of that first season, and then you had, um, or I guess actually they had like thirteen episodes, and then now they have like you know they're they're into the into the second season, and it looks like it actually just started like the middle of October. So it's only had. Um, a few episodes so far in the second season. So I can actually catch up on this. So that's good.
1: I, I would recommend it. Okay. So the last one I wanted to talk about is The Walking Dead.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Season premiere. Let's focus on the season premiere. I, after that show, was upset that I had paid for a whole season on iTunes because I did not think I could watch the rest of it.
0: Yeah, I um, I've, I've strongly feel, and a lot of people felt this way, like they left us on this big cliffhanger. Frankly, I think that they should have ended the season with what it opened with.
1: Yeah, that would have felt... Although I don't know if I would have even... The first, the back, first episode sure. was so... Uh, like they destroyed everything. They They killed multiple characters, like main characters, and Rick, who has led the whole thing the whole time, they destroyed him they made him into a sniveling pile of snot willing to do whatever was asked of him and like that truly broken way not that i'm gonna say that i will be i will have allegiance to you because it will save my life but that way that is just uh the w- when uh in game of thrones the I, I'm forgetting characters' names, but he had his his genitalia cut off and eaten as sausage, and he became a sniveling coward.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know?
1: Do you know who I'm talking about? What?
0: I do. I can't think of his Eek, name. G- Eek, Eek,
1: Eek! Yeah. No, it wasn't. Eek. No. Meek. Meek. I don't know. Anyway, like I'll remember when when I get back into that show. But um. Uh, like same. My kind husband of just is finally starting getting broken. into Game of
0: Thrones. Oh,
1: I, I didn't get into Game of Thrones till season five, and then I watched, I binge watched all the first five seasons in a week.
0: That's what, that's what Grant is in the process of doing right now. Yeah,
1: that, that show is amazing as well. But The Walking Dead is always, I've always hated myself for wanting to see the next episode. Like, it's always so disturbing. And not because of graphic violence. Uh, you get used to that really fast. I, yeah, after the first season, I mess. no longer had zombie dreams. But they constantly constantly, much like Game of Thrones, killing off people you've come to love. Yeah,
0: um, I mean, in case of like Glenn, it's like we've gone through this twice now.
1: I yeah, know. God damn it.
0: Uh, I mean, and, and And I thought it would be easier the second time. Because you kind of mourned, you know, you're like, oh man, you know, is he, is he, and then like, but, but they teased us, I guess, because that time they're like, is he, is he coming back? Is he dead? Well, is see, he not? He
1: became invincible in my, in my subconscious. Like he was, he was like Daryl. Yeah. Like, they weren't going to kill him off. They proved it once by pretending to, and I then pulling sitting, back. So then
0: he was fine. And then they were finally like, actually, yeah.
1: no. <laughs> just when you thought you were safe.
0: And um, it's like, okay. It's like, okay. So like Maggie was like, okay. But then like, the way she's left, is just I don't know. It was kind of, that was disturbing too. Did you
1: see the, the picture I posted with the sub caption or the caption? <laughs> um, I'll find, I will find you Maggie.
0: Yeah. Describe this for, for, for the audience. We're going to put a the um, link in the show notes. You have to look at this. This is a truly fantastic and disturbing Halloween jack-o'-lantern.
1: So, so to get this, you'll have to watch the episode. I'm not going to spoil anything. It's still, uh, give it a couple of months. I'll, I'll gladly spoil it, but Right now, I will say that once you've seen the episode, uh, follow the link in the show notes to this jack-o'-lantern with one of its eyes bulging out and its face all disfigured. And <laughs> then think about the caption. I'll find you. And it- it'll make sense. And-, and hopefully you'll laugh. It got very few likes on Twitter. I was kind of shocked. Maybe my my crowd doesn't love The Walking Dead the way I do but
0: no 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 it's not that it's that you didn't hashtag it walking dead
1: uh, hashtags are dirty
0: i sure <laughs> but but that's how people will understand it because otherwise you you see it and like i got the joke when you told me and i looked at it and, and because we were talking about The Walking Dead but if i had just seen this in my timeline without any sort of like pointer you know cuz it it it's such a detailed image it's hilarious i don't know if i would have like gotten it quite as
1: quickly I think a lot of my jokes end up like that. they're subtle enough and obscure references or obscured from the reference enough that when I think they're really funny i I think a lot of people just breeze past them because they don't make sense at first glance.
0: Although your release notes for the latest version of NV Alt, <laughs> well, I had to et- mention you on that. To get you did, <laughs> you, you did, and you, it, it, you had I, and, and when I saw it, I was like very excited. So for for people to uh, understand uh, the release notes were all Britney Spears based, and that made me very happy. Could you
1: make out the background picture?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I could, and I thought that <laughs> was a really really nice touch. I thought the because at first I was like weird. It's just like, that sort of background that I looked at. I was like, oh my god. It's Brittany, bitch. Because
1: it was, um, it was another bug fix release, that was annoying. Uh, that we had to make multiple releases to get it right, and so the headline. This was
0: this was the one we uh we we talked about it before, right? How like when people upgraded to
1: yeah Sierra,
0: their stuff broke. Yeah, and this
1: was a lesser bug bug release, but or a bug fix release, but the the headline on it was, what was it? Uh hit me baby one more time.
0: Yeah, I think so. And
1: then the first line was, oops, I did it again. (laughs) And then lyrics from the song were interlaced through it. And there was a link at the end that said, if you, if you admit that, you or if you confess that you still believe, show us a sign and show us a sign was linked to a PayPal donation account.
0: (laughs) Has anyone donated?
1: I have received multiple donations that just said, I still believe Mostly small, because I think a lot of the people who would do that have donated previously just to keep it going. Um, But, yeah. I I know it's been (laughs) stuck in my head for days after I did that.
0: Such a good song. Thank you, Max Martin. Once again, I know that I say that like every show, but thank you, Max Martin, for making our lives better. (sighs) Yeah. Those notes were great. Um, That was like... I'm, I'm a big fan of release notes. Uh, David Chartier used to run uh, a Tumblr, I don't know if he still does, r- associated with release notes, like funny release notes. And this was definitely uh, something that would be very worthy They have gotten the ri-
1: ridiculous over time. I should be archiving them. but
0: Yeah, you should. Just, just so you can look <laughs> back in a million years when we're all, all on our augmented reality headsets and accessing our software with our hands, like, you know, something out of minority report and you can remember oh remember remember the time that i i spent an entire release notes you know focused on on britney spears yeah and that's because you know your audience
1: there was you one know about that...
0: unicorns
1: i <laughs> i i i feel like i don't know my audience but i generate my audience yeah like We're... when i make obscure jokes people who don't like them unfollow me and people who do get them follow me, and therefore my audience becomes geared towards me.
0: Remember when uh, Icon Factory created the uh, the icon of uh, of unicorn tears because like some there was like some sort of like Mac reference about like somebody crying unicorn tears about something or another, and so then they created an icon pack that had unicorn tears in it. I actually don't recall this. It, I remember, and I remember being very funny. I but believe- uh, it sounds funny. I I, I don't, I don't remember what the unicorn tears reference was now, but I remember it was something about people being butthurt in the Mac community. And so they created an, uh, literally like a, a a bottle of unicorn tears, an icon (laughs) of it in one of their, one of their free packs. It's great.
1: All right. Well, we can wrap there. I feel like we, we covered everything. We actually got through everything on our list and then some,
0: yeah, it was a good
1: show. Uh, so you can find overtired on Twitter at, uh, at ovrtrd it's the Flickr version of overtired and oh man we should talk about yahoo sometime but we should you can also find us on itunes where it would be delightful if you left us a review
0: please review us and like us we appreciate it rate us It'd and be great. if it's
1: if it's a bad or biting review you just have to make it funny
0: yeah i mean the funnier is actually the better like honestly i'll take a one star if you're hilarious um ideally i would like you to leave a a biting review but still give us five stars
1: you could be like five stars just for the sake of irony
0: exactly that's what i'm saying like to me that would actually be the best case scenario because that would then a help us like climb up the charts and b make us like laugh at ourselves It
1: should be a thing leaving reviews ironically (laughs) totally Oh, except then people would start doing it on really good like apps and and podcasts i mean uh oh, one star It was too good um <laughs> <laughs> okay, but then uh christina can be found on twitter at film underscore girl, and I can be found on twitter at t t t t s c o f f and i want to mention as an aside my other podcast systematic uh there is now a A uh, Slack room for it That I'm inviting people to I'd never made like a Slack room For this purpose Or a Slack team for the purpose of building a community I don't know Once it maxes out on users I don't know what will happen to it Um, But at that point I will come up with A better solution if necessary But in the meantime you can go to Signup.systemcast.net And again that is Missing vowels It's S-Y-S-T-M c-a-s-t dot net uh i'll throw that link in the show notes but you can get your access to the systematic slack chat there and of course you know then listen to my other podcast too because <laughs> i know christine is awesome <laughs> and i know rocket's awesome but i have another podcast too
0: no, i i never i I never pimp rocket on you Overtired. don't tired
1: why is that
0: I don't know. I mean, I just feel like.
1: You feel like you're popular enough. No, we'll it's let not. I just, have it.
0: No, I just feel like <laughs> I don't do it with you. So I mean, well, now now that we're talking about it, my my other podcast Rocket is awesome, and you should also listen to that. Systematic is also very cool. Rocket does not have a Slack room, uh, but but you should join the Systematic Slack room and and talk with Brett and and other cool Systematic people.
1: There are some cool people in there already.
0: Well, you should send me an invite to the Slack room.
1: David Wayne joined, uh, though he hasn't said anything yet but he actually did accept the invite
0: (laughs) that's awesome now i actually really want to be like you need to send me an invite to my uh send it to my didn't uh, i i don't think you did send it to my maybe
1: maybe you just have slack invites set to go straight to spam
0: well maybe just send it to the wrong email because i have so many emails send it to my uh dot is email
1: yeah okay okay um yeah so good talking to you christina
0: good talking to you brett uh get some sleep you too
1: The system is going down low